Pastor Xavier Reese and the one who God appointed, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. But if you will not hear, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. You might say Jeremiah was a big crybaby. With a good reason, huh? His heart was broken over his people. Though you're heartbroken about your loved one not walking with God, you say, Lord, do whatever you have to to bring them to the end of themselves. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The prophet Jeremiah was active in Jerusalem during the tragic period of the city's destruction by the Babylonians. And despite the affinity to one who killed the messenger because of his message of bad news, Jeremiah, in his unenviable appointment, yet emphasized the temporary nature of the destruction and the consolation to be found in the certainty of the nation's return to its land. Here's Pastor Xavier getting today's Simple Truths character study underway. What we want to do is look at three things regarding Jeremiah. The man Jeremiah, the call of Jeremiah, and the ministry of Jeremiah. Jeremiah means whom Jehovah has appointed. The idea being of elevated by God's appointment. He's appointed by God. God appointed Moses, Joshua, David, and many, many others. God anointed these men for a task. Notice the confirmation of Jeremiah by God in verse 7 and 8. The Lord reproved Jeremiah in verse 7 there. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am a you. That's a reproof. That's a strong reproof. The Lord commanded absolute obedience. To go to all he was sent to. For you shall go to all whom I send you. It's not a suggestion. He's not asking Jeremiah his, his, his permission. He's telling him what he's commanding him to do. Also to speak only what God gave him. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. That's good. Notice the Lord encouraged Jeremiah. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord in verse 8. Now it's encouragement at the same time kind of discouragement. His call would not be easy nor popular. His call would have God's protection. Why do I need your protection, Lord? It's going to be dangerous. Yep. There's good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? (laughs) Notice the preparation of Jeremiah by God in verse 9 through 12. In verse 9, God had to cleanse Jeremiah. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Kind of like Isaiah, right? The angel called from the altar, cleanse his mouth. You're clean. You've acknowledged you've got a dirty mouth. Here it's clean now. God gave Jeremiah the message. Verse 9 still. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Whoa, there's another phrase that's for inspiration. It's God's words. The word of the Lord came to me. He put his words in my mouth. The Lord said, write. The Lord showed me this. The Lord showed me a vision. All of the phrases that God is speaking, that tells us that what he's getting is divine inspiration, divine revelation. Not human imagination. 
In verse 10, God set the boundaries of Jeremiah's ministry. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Whoa, pretty big ministry. Paul says, we have not overgone in the boundaries that God has given to us. He tells the Corinthians, God sets the boundaries. He revealed the nature of his call in verse 10 also to point out the error of what was established, to root out and to pull down. It's not a comfortable ministry. You have to set the record straight. You have to say, this is wrong. This is not scriptural. This is heresy. Even naming names. That's not coming, but that, it has to be done. It's not that popular. To remove all that was contrary to God. To destroy and to throw down. And then to start new. To build and to plant. It's quite a ministry. It's not going to be an easy ministry. Now notice... The initial training of Jeremiah by God is found in verse 11 and 12 for his call. God turned the eyes of Jeremiah for the things of God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see a branch of an almond tree. God told Jeremiah he was ready. Then the Lord said, you have seen well. For I am ready to perform my word. Verse 12. He's telling us by the scripture here that God equips his men that he calls. He prepares them. God alone will be the one to reveal the set time. And the amount of training and ministry. Even as Paul went into the wilderness of Arabia for three years. God is the one who prepares the man. It's his time, his plan. Now notice from verse 13 down to 19, the call of Jeremiah was one of judgment. In verse 13, God revealed his message to Jeremiah through a vision. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And he said, I see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north. Then God interprets the vision in verse 14 and 15. The direction of the instrument of God's judgment is declared. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. Verse 14. Now notice verse 15. The conquest of Judah is described. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall come, and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. God interprets the call of Jeremiah here, judgment. God declares the reason for his judgment also in verse 16. I will utter my judgment against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. Spiritual, adultery, moral depravity. They go hand in hand. Then in verse 17, God commissions Jeremiah and warns him not to be intimidated to disobey as he would see the people's angry faces. Listen to him. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces lest I dismay you before them. Can you imagine preaching to a group of people and as you're preaching, they're going, and they're saying, I've been... At a funeral one time, by the gravesite, and these guys weren't too happy about what I was sharing, 
And uh, when I said, well, let's pray, I didn't close my eyes. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Another time I was doing another funeral, and someone from the pew was going, went like this. Meaning not that he's going to cut my throat, I don't believe, but it's just saying, cut it. Because they don't like to hear what you're sharing, see? What do you do? You trust God and believe God? Or do you shut up? You have to speak. Heavy task for Jeremiah. Notice in verse 18, God assured Jeremiah protection and is called to proclaim judgment. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar, a bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes, against his priests, against the people of the land. Iron, they won't resist you. Brass, your judgment to them. I have made you this. Verse 19, God calls Jeremiah to trust in him and the opposition. Listen, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. What a relief in that call. When God says, no matter what, I'm, I'm going to be with you. Didn't Jesus appear to Paul? He was afraid of corn. He says, Paul, stop being afraid. I have many souls in this city. Get with it. <laughs> God is so good. When John Knox was called to be a preacher by the acclamation of his fellow parishioners in the church of St. Andrews, he was so overwhelmed that after an ineffectual attempt to address the congregation, he burst into tears, rushed out, and shut himself up in his chamber, persuaded that he could never appear in the pulpit again. Now, if you know anything about John Knox, you'd be amazed to know this. You see, this was the call of Jeremiah. He sensed the awesomeness of he understood it. Thirdly, the ministry of Jeremiah. This is found in chapter 2. Jeremiah's ministry was to declare God's case against his people. Now, notice verse 1 and 3 of chapter 2. The place was Jerusalem by recalling the love of their betrothal to God in the earlier days. So God, first of all, says, look to the past where you came from. Our relationship. Where, what happened? This is an indictment. Look at verse 9. Therefore I will yet bring a charges against you, says the Lord. Look at verse 35. Behold, I will plead my case against you. This is a courtroom scene. They are on trial. And God is the prosecuting attorney. Notice verse 4 to 13, the particular charges are declared. In verse 5, they turn to idols. In verse 8, the priests abandoned God and didn't know Him. They were teaching His law. The rulers transgressed the law. The prophets spoke for Baal, not Jehovah. In verse 11, the charges were, were to them and their children's children. In other words, they had duplicated themselves. They had contaminated their children and they were worse off than their parents. They had changed their God for gods who were no gods. No other nation had done that, He tells us in those verses. Have you ever known another nation to change their God like you? Verse 13, the two evils are declared. They had forsaken God. And they had hewn out for themselves sisters and broken sisters that could hold no water. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves sisters, 
broken cisterns that can hold no water. A cistern would not be known to hold water until the first rain. And you could spend 10, 15 years carving that cistern down. The first rain, it filled up great. Now you cover the mouth, you go away, come back a week, a month later, and see if the water is gone. If it's gone, all that labor was in vain. But even if it held water, cistern is stagnant water. It's not living, running water. There's a difference. I am the living water, God says. They've thrown me away. They've gone to cisterns. And at that, cisterns that are cracked can hold no water. Their spiritual decay was directly related to their moral corruption. Now notice the people were responsible for their consequences to their lives. In verse 17, they had brought this destruction on themselves by forsaking the Lord. Have you not brought this on yourselves? Verse 19, their own wickedness would correct them. Their backslidings would rebuke them. Verse 20, 23, and 35, they were denying their sins. Look at 23. Um, how can you say, I am not polluted? Back up to verse 20. I missed that one. He says, for of all I have broken your yoke and burst your bands. And you say, I will not transgress. <laughs> Look at verse 35. Once again, yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead your case against you, because you say, I have not sinned. How interesting. Everybody always wants to blame somebody else for their life, right? Nothing new. It's not your fault. You're dysfunctional. You're codependent. You're a victim. No, God says... You're responsible for your own life. They had become a degenerate vine, verse 21. Like a wild donkey that is driven of its lust, in verse 24. Like a pagan praying to a tree, in verse 26 and 27. Like rebellious children that did not receive chastening of their God, and they killed the prophets, in verse 30. Some pretty strong charges. So in verse 37, he says, the nation would go into captivity. They would go forth from God, but with their hands in their heads. Their trust in allies would be thwarted by God. No way out. See, so often we think we've got it all together. We've got it wired. And God says, you have nothing wired. If you're going against me, you're going towards destruction. It's a matter of time. The central message of the book is twofold. God would punish His people and God would restore His people. God would punish His people and God would restore His people. Listen to Jeremiah 26, 12 and 13. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the princes of all the people saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against the house and against the city with all the words that you have heard. Now therefore, amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that He has pronounced against you. As for me, here I am, in your hands. Do with me as seemeth good and proper to you. But know for certain that if you put me to death, you will surely bring innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on its inhabitants. For truly the Lord has sent me to you to speak all those words in your hearing. If you follow on from that, some of the people say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's think about this. <laughs> there were some people that were thinking. 
Jeremiah 30, verse 12 and 13 says this, For thus saith the Lord, Your affliction is incurable, your wound is severe, there is no one to plead your cause, that you may be bound up, you have no healing medicines. One more. Jeremiah 30, still there, verse 15 through 18. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. I have done these things to you. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder. And all who prey upon you, I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because you... Because they call you an outcast, saying, This is Zion. No one seeks her. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tent, and have mercy on his dwelling places. The city shall be built upon its own mountain, and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. Amazing prophecy. So restore, to punish, and to restore. There's the thrust of his message. Almost seems contradictory, doesn't it? And probably was accused of it. Now notice, secondly, Jeremiah's ministry was one of suffering. Suffering. Let me give you some stuff, just jot them down. He was called to proclaim and to observe the death of a nation. What an awesome task. He was mocked and ridiculed by the people of, of, of his time and his family. Jeremiah 20 verse 10 says, For I heard my mock, many mocking, fear on every side, report they said, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watch for my stumbling, saying, Perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him, and we will take our revenge on him. He was sought out with the intent to be murdered. Jeremiah eleven nineteen. But I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter. I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with this fruit, and let us cut him off. From the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. Not to friendly people. He was put in the stocks by the priests. Jeremiah 20 verse 2. Then Pashur struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. He was in prison. Jeremiah 32 2. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. Later on, they pulled Jeremiah with ropes out of the mire, the dungeon, the cistern. Jeremiah thirty-eight thirteen. His reputation was that he was a traitor to his nation. He was going out to the land of Benjamin to claim his property. And they said, you are defecting to the Chaldeans. Jeremiah 36, 13. And they threw him in jail. They accused him as a traitor. He was not to marry. God told him that in Jeremiah 16, 2 through 4. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons, daughters in this place. For thus saith the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place. Notice why God. Why God? Why can't I get married? God knows the end from the beginning. Listen. And concerning their mothers who bore them and their fathers who begot them in this, in this land. They shall die gruesome deaths. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried. But they shall be like a refuge on the face of the earth. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. And their 
corpses shall be meat for the birds of the heavens and for the beasts of the earth. Jeremiah 16, 2 through 4. God says, don't marry Jeremiah. Why? Because he's trying to make them miserable? No, I want to spare you the pain of seeing them ravished and tortured and killed. Wow, pretty good God, isn't he? Seems unjust, right? Because you don't know the end. He was called to be one with his message. Oh, this is good. One with his message. This must always be the case of one who is called. It cannot be just intellectual bombardment of words. There must be a oneness with that message. There must be a heartfelt of it. It must be like a stew that's been brewing and just simmering. And man, it's God's message. He wept over the condition of his people. Listen to him, Jeremiah 9.1. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. He felt the pain. Jeremiah 13.17. But if you will not hear, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Jeremiah 14.7. Therefore you shall say the word to them. Let my eyes flow with tears night and day and let them be cease or not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke with a very severe blow. That's Jeremiah fourteen seventeen. You might say Jeremiah was a big crybaby. But with a good reason, huh? That's why he's called a weeping prophet. His heart was broken over his people. He was at the same time Desire and righteous judgment for their sins, which might be seem contradictory to what we have just looked at him crying. Listen, Jeremiah eleven twenty. But O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the minds and the hearts, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed my cause. Though you're heartbroken about your loved one who's not walking with God, you see it and you say, Lord, do whatever you have to to bring them to the end of themselves. Jeremiah 18, 19, and 20 says, Give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to the voice of those who contend with me. Shall evil be wrapped, repaid for good? For they have dug a pit for my life. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away the wrath from them. And he goes on, he speaks about the cursing the day of his birth in Jeremiah 20, verse 15 and 18. Because he hurt for the proclamation. He hurt knowing what was going to happen. G. Campbell Morgan said this in the story of Jeremiah's shrinking and pain and tears. We have a picture of a man in such perfect fellowship with God that through him God has able to reveal his own suffering in the presence of sin. Incredible. Incredible man. There is so much here in Jeremiah. Let me close with a quote from a well-known preacher of the past, War Beecher. You see, this was the ministry of Jeremiah we've been looking at here. Not an easy ministry, was it? Not glamour, not a Channel 40 ministry. You love to preach, don't you? As Henry Ward Beecher to a young minister. I surely do. Was the growing reply. But do you love the people to whom you preach? Beecher then asked. What do you love? Preaching to the people? Or do you preach to the people because you love the people? There's a big difference. We've learned much by looking at Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah the man the call of Jeremiah and the ministry of Jeremiah three simple things so much it yields may God give us wisdom you feel your call and we're all called to ministry somewhere but do you feel your call to a specific ministry maybe a pastorship or something then you better make sure God confirms it you better make sure God enables you wait upon him and then obey him he is more than able Pastor Xavier Reese wrapping up a character study to challenge us in our own individual call and just before we close for today let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled Jeremiah Part 1 are available on CD for just $4 and this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well so once again the title to ask for is simply Jeremiah Part 1 or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 